Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's Shriners Children's Open. And joining me to break it all down, Sia Najad is here. Sia, what up? I cannot wait to break this down with Las Vegas Rick. This is a big moment for me. I cannot wait. Uh, The time has come. Leg one of the Vegas swing is here. Greg Ducharme joins us as well. Greg, on a scale from one to ten, how excited are you for this event? Oh, I, I'm, I don't even kid you when I say this, I'm right near, I would say it's eight and a half stars. I'm, I'm way up there on this rank, uh, on this. And there's a couple reasons why, and they're largely unrelated to golf. So in, and I'm sorry for a little early rant here, but in my life right now, I've have, I'm dealing with a lot of problems that are very aggravating. Uh, One of them, at my place of work, fortunately not at my place of, of living, I'm, I've been dealing with internet issues for three weeks mm. and it falls into my job description. So I am constantly, although everybody deals with it, constantly on the phone with our internet provider, constantly getting new equipment, update. Oh, it, it has been a literal nightmare making appointments. They're showing up at eight o'clock at night for these and it's the wrong guy and nothing happened. it's been maddening to say the least then uh in my home we now have uh new friends living with us and they're mice so i have after the show tonight one thing i'm really excited for is setting some mouse traps and i can't <laughs> I, I bought i bought a bunch of mouse traps today and i got big work gloves so i can scoop them up and they have all these options for ma- like no yeah, see some, some traps. Are, some are yeah, some are pretty and some ain't so pretty. Or did you go yeah. for like the 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 dirty ones? What you want to do? You want to see the pain and the structure? I, I need to see it. I yeah. need to see it because I'm just so angry. And this is where I have to go animal get to that. I got to reach that dark place. And so anyway, um, yeah, I have uh, mouse hunting tonight. Internet issues will continue no doubt tomorrow. And the saving grace in my life the 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 shining light the shining beacon is my family one and two fantasy sports so fortunately i'm winning in fantasy golf winning in fantasy football and i'm that's what's uh what it's the glue that's keeping me all together right now it might be the glue that those mice run onto and then can't get off. That's another type of trap as well. Yeah, and I'm going to um, taunt him. I'm going to get a taunting flag. You <laughs> are uh, dealing with an internet service provider I would not wish on my worst enemy. That is just the absolute single worst thing. Yeah. TPC Summerlin. I'm going to share my screen here. This is my website, rickrungood.com. TPC Summerlin, see ya. We've got uh, this course historically you got to go pretty low in fact last year's seven under that's not a mistake seven under par 
was the cut line, the lowest in PGA Tour history. See, an early look at the forecast might be a little bit windy. That might help keep scoring down, but this is an event and a track that you can get after out there if you're a PGA Tour professional. Absolutely. And it's one of the, you know, it's one of those places, Rick, and you know, you're from here. You can correct us if we're wrong, but it's one of these places where you don't find a lot of trouble. So, I mean, off the tee that the fairways are wide. Uh, if you don't hit the fairway, you, you probably won't be in much trouble as it is. That doesn't mean hitting the fairway is completely unimportant. I'd prefer guys who are going to hit it straight off the tee, obviously. Um, I think you're going to have to just rein it in with the approach game, specifically, you know, wedge up to, you know, 75 to 150 yards. I think that's sort of like the wheelhouse in terms of where a majority of your shots are probably going to come. And if you're precise there uh, and you can get it onto these big greens close to the cup, I think you're going to be in really good shape. Keep it out of the desert, Greg. If you keep it out of the desert, you got a chance. And it is not long by tour standards. They're very large greens. In fact, the fourth largest greens that we've had on the PGA Tour in the last year. If you keep it out of the desert, you should have plenty of scoring opportunities. I find it um, interesting. And I think this is highlighted here. If you look at your highest correlated stats, mm-hmm. a lot of them are um, are are you know, making their birdie statistics, yeah. right? Uh, consecutive birdie streak. I see there, um, yep. you know, um, a lot of putting, ones. a lot of putting, right? You got to go out there and you got to score and you got to make it happen. And the separator is not in, in ball striking. Although you could argue it's still important. I'm still going to feature some iron players. I, I think some of those statistics in there are close putting metrics, um, like four to eight feet, um, six feet, 10 inside of 10 yeah. feet. So if you can give yourself those kind of birdie opportunities, like Sam Burns did on Sunday, he had seven birdie putts inside of six feet. And if you can get your way around the golf course in that fashion and you can avoid the desert and avoid mistakes, then you can chip away at the leaderboard and and really make some birdies because you have to do it every day. So how are you going to shoot really low scores every day? You can't lean on, you, you can't lean simply on making 25 footers the whole time. So you have to handle par fives. You have to handle shorter par fours. Uh, you can't make bogeys and you got a whole lot of putts. So I think it's really cool. The Las Vegas swing in general, because it's kind of like when we get into the desert, it reminds me a lot of what I call dome golf, where the elements are much more similar day to day. Um, they, there may be a change from morning to afternoon in temperature, but there's usually low wind and scoring conditions are, are perfect for uh, day to day to day. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it got a pretty decent field this week here. See, I mean, Brooks Kepka here, Sam Burns here, Victor Hovland making an appearance, Abraham answer, Webb Simpson. And what we generally see is a lot of these guys if they play it, they play it every single year. You're going to see that with obviously Kevin Na, who's a resident, but Webb, Webb Simpson and some of these guys, they just seem to either start their season here or try to get here. So there's a lot of really good year over year data, not only for this course, but for the way this field plays at this course. Yeah, and obviously that's going to factor in. I mean, of course, history is definitely going to play a big part here. Um, I don't think it's imperative, which is why, for example, Victor Hovland is a guy I'm going to be playing in DFS, and he has obviously no course history here. But yeah, that, that's those are great indicators. It's definitely one of the major things I'm looking for outside of you know recent form, of course, and just the strokes gain metrics that we want to focus on. 
Well, let's jump into it because you already mentioned Victor Hovland. He falls into that $10,000 range. The rest of that range, Sia, Brooks Kepka, most expensive, 11100 Sam Burns, 10900 Victor Hovland, we talked about, 10006 Answer is 10400 Webb Simpson is 102 And Will Zalatoris finishes us off Finishes us off here, Sia, at 10100 You mentioned Hovland. We can talk about him. But who else in this range is garnering your attention? Yeah, Hovland's number one for me. I think from a from a cash game standpoint, I, I might like Abraham Answer. I have a feeling he's going to be somewhat popular in this range, though. So I'm not sure how much I want to play him from a tournament standpoint, and that's just because of his history here. Um, you know, I don't think I want to play much Web. I'm just I'm just not loving the play in in 2020, and uh, I just I, I'm just not there yet with him. Brooks Kepka, I'm definitely out on. So for me, it's probably going to be Victor Hovland and our champion from last week, which was Sam Burns. Yeah, so going back to Sam Burns is kind of interesting. We talk about that all the time, about guys kind of being penalized for being the best. But you remember after his win last year, I think he finished runner-up at his next start. Like, he's he's ready to get back after it. I'm a bit more bullish on Webb Simpson than probably Sia is, Greg. We don't have to talk about Webb specifically, but who out of these 10K guys should we be uh, strongly getting into our lineups? Well, I, I find a very interesting narrative with Webb. Um, among other things, I think Sia might take a little interest in. Um, I know he loves the trip down Narrative Street. Mm-hmm. Sam Burns was a guy who got the phone call about not making the Ryder Cup team last week. He said it motivated him. It was something that really bothered him, and and it dr- drove him forward to success this week. Um, of course, there's other things like his raw talent that come into play, but um, that's definitely a factor. And I think there's a narrative with Webb Simpson this season where that is on the forefront of his mind and he wants to be a guy in contention 2021 with Webb for me was a strange year he had um a little bit of illness he had a little bit of injury he missed a couple of home games missed a couple of events that he normally performs quite well in and it hurt his chances towards the end of the year and he never was able to get in a rhythm where he could play multiple weeks in a row this week for Webb, I, I really like him because I, I think I can kind of write off a little bit of what happened last year um, to some unique circumstances. And I look at what he's done here in the past and in his last yeah. four starts, all top 20 finishes. Um, there were two in, seven, in 16 and 17. He was outside of that top 20 mark, although still made the cut. And the three finishes before that, 2010, 2014, 2015, was a tied fourth, a win, and another tied fourth. So there's a very consistent track for him. And then those metrics, the birdie metrics, the round four scoring metrics, all those things that Rick highlighted earlier as being important and highly correlated to success, Webb checks the box in. I mean, even last year, in a weak year, his his round four scoring, I believe, was second on the PGA Tour. And I'll look that up right now. Um, while you, but, while but you do impressive. that. What's so interesting about Webb Simpson is, okay, there's two things. For 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 Summerlin course history, who are the guys we go to? Kevin Na, we go to Patrick Cantlay. Uh, when we think about Webb Simpson course history, we go to Harbortown. We go to Phoenix. We never really talk about this. This is unbelievable stuff from Webb Simpson. And I've been, I was showing it on the screen as Greg was describing it, but in – I think quick count, 10 trips, 10 trips. He's got seven top 25s, including the victory. I mean, he's just always near yeah. the top of the leaderboard. Uh, I, it just never gets talked about, which I find to be interesting. Um, pulling up these this um, this scoring. 
Oh shoot, I'm on the wrong year. Okay, I'm I'm uh, still a second away because that's 2022. But okay, round round four scoring. Yeah, it's it's really good. Um, he is second last year. I was right. So um, second in round four scoring, uh, second in actual scoring average, tenth in total scoring average, which is adjusted, and eighth in birdie average. And and that's in a down year. That was like his worst year in like the last decade. Right. Like <laughs> what's wrong with Webb? And he scores. He knows how to do it. He knows how to get the job done. So I like him on a golf course where you got to make a ton of birdies. It's fascinating. We'll see. Um, who else? Okay. So Sia, how much Ryder Cup are we playing into this? That would speak to Brooks. It would speak to Victor Hovland. I kind of saw different things from each of these guys, are we considering that? Are we throwing it out? What What's our plan here for some of the Ryder Cup guys? And especially as we go deeper down the board, we're going to find more of them. No, I'm not really considering it, to be honest with you. I just think that's such a different format. It's such a different event. It, it just doesn't factor in for me. I mean, I, when I look at Hovland, I'm looking at recent form, which is good. Uh, I'm just looking at the fact that in this field, I think he might be the best ball striker. I mean, I, you know, obviously you can make arguments, but I'm just saying at the top, I'm not sure he's not the best person in this field. You know, I'm including Brooks and Webb in that conversation. So I'm just trying to take advantage to capitalize on the upside. I mean, his his ball striking, look, we're trying to get guys who can get really hot on approach and stick it right next to the cup. And, you know, his approach numbers can pop in such a way that can, I mean, he can absolutely destroy a course on any given day. So that's sort of what I'm looking at for Victor Hovland. Yeah, I love Victor Hovland. Um, let's get Abraham answer into the conversation here, Greg. Abraham answer at ten thousand four hundred, or Will Zalatoris at ten thousand one hundred. Which would you prefer? Uh, I I'd lean on the putter more more in this case. Um, so because, answer. because yeah, answer. They're both really good ball strikers. Um, answer's a, a great ball striker in his own right, but he also does really well in the desert. And you see him pop from time to time. He doesn't have the consistency of a Webb Simpson in terms of course history, but he has two fourth place finishes. One was a T4 and one was a solo fourth. And then I also think to what he's done at the um, um, uh, the American Express out in the desert where he, he's got a second place finish, a couple of other really nice finishes. And I think that's a, um, a, a really interesting angle for Abraham answer. So I would take Abraham over Zalatoris in this case. Uh, I think so would I. I'm actually pretty bullish on answer this week. You mentioned the history. If you give me a course where you play out of the fairway, you're going to have a lot of looks and you don't have to have to overpower this with distance. Great. And then you get a guy who his by far best putting surface is Bankgrass. Uh, all of those signs point to Abraham answer. Sia, would you agree with that sentiment answer over Zalatoris or would you prefer the other side of it? No, I, I'd prefer the other. I prefer answer, actually. I mean, we do have to point out, you might have already said this, but Zalatoris was fifth here last year. But in terms of just grading out, I like answer uh, quite a bit better. Yeah. How long, and we do this with a lot of guys, a lot of guys see it. How long until Will Zalatoris still hasn't won and it starts to become a problem, right? Because everyone understands he's very good. We did it with answer, right? For a long time. It's like, oh, well, he can't win, all that stuff. How much leash does Zalatoris have here? I think he's got. I think he's got at least a year. And, and there's so much talent right now that's just young talent pouring in and talent that's poured in over the last few years. It's really hard to win a golf tournament. And no matter how good Will Zalatoris is, you know, circumstantially, you know, you could have you know one great day, but somebody has a better round four. And it's just one of those things. I I, I think if we're talking about him next year at this time and he doesn't have a win. 
then I think maybe he's going to start pressing a little bit, but I think he has time. I, I think that's an interesting question because it, it depends on the angle. Is it when should we start to get concerned or when, <laughs> or when will, will we, we? <laughs> start to get concerned? And of course we're asking when will we? So when will we, that depends in a strange way on his, on the way that he plays and doesn't win. If he Isn't doesn't that win weird? again, it's Isn't... a hypothetical. Right? It's weird. It's because it's like Tony Finau. If Tony yes. Finau just finished 21st every week, we would have never talked about him not winning. But because he got close, it's almost a gift and a curse. Right. You you end up in the second or last group again, and you haven't won again. And oh my goodness, there is a there is a Tony Finau problem here, <laughs> right? Which is at the the um the numbers that Tony Finau put up, the amount of times he did it was a cause for concern, without question. Um, Because the numbers were just so much greater than anybody else near that category, you would think it it was beyond the numbers. It was beyond the odds. Will Zalatoris has plenty of time to stay within the odds of of getting a win. And if he does what he's been doing, you know, these T11, T15 finishes repeatedly, it may draw some attention because it's steady and consistent play. But he'll only he'll draw criticism for not winning too early if he finishes second more often, um, if he finishes, if he's in the final group and it doesn't go very well, that that's when you'll start to see the, um, the, the murmurs. Let's move on down to the $9,000 range here. It's interesting. It's small. Sia. I'm not exactly sure what to do with it. We're gonna have to parse this out together. Louis who stays in his 9,900. Scotty Scheffler is 9,700. Hideki Matsuyama 95 Harris English at 93 Sung J M is 92 and at 9,100 the man who's won this event twice Kevin nah and then we round out this $9,000 range with C Woo Kim it's a lot to take in I'm not super bullish uh, that, I guess I shouldn't say that. there's a couple of guys I'm interested in but I'm I'm not in love with the nine Sia. Um, for the, this might be a first I'm really not liking the 9k range mm. at all it's funny about Kevin Na by the way because He's just one of those guys, and and I don't know exactly, I can't put my finger on it exactly, but like nobody really wants to play Kevin Na. Maybe it's because of the, the injury history he has. Maybe it's just because he doesn't look the part like like, like, like a Brooks Kepka does or a Bryson. You know, I, I don't know what it is, but honestly, in this range, he's one of my favorite guys. I mean, it's not just that his history here is is pretty great, although he's got some obviously missed cuts in here too. But his recent form is, I mean, he missed the cut at the Fortinet, but prior to that, he was excellent for you know four to five tournaments in a row i mean really excellent we're talking you know three top tens out of the four tournaments prior to the fortinet so he's definitely one of the guys i like that i'll probably play i think louis is interesting obviously you know he's a birdie maker and and this course should fit him just fine interestingly from the the proximities that we're concerned with or i should say that i'm concerned with rick because i know you're not a huge fan of the quote you know the buckets the range buckets or whatever he you know last 24 rounds louis's been you know pretty below average in in all of those ranges, which I just think is an interesting thing to point out. But really, it's just Louie and Kevin Na. I might sprinkle in some Siwoo Kim. Uh, He doesn't grade out great, but his history here is is pretty great the last two of the last three years, two two top 15s. Um, But I'm kind of reaching when I go to Siwoo. It's really really Kevin and Louie. 
that I like the, the most. The Kevin Noss stuff's pretty interesting because he's top 10 last 24 round strokes gain total. He's top 10 in this field. He's obviously got the couple of victories. His history here with the wins and I think yet another runner up finish, it's been kind of volatile, right? He's got that that end of the spectrum and he's also got some miscuts and some uglier stuff. Um, but obviously a, a Las Vegas resident and very, very comfortable here. And then Louie's kind of that steady Eddie for me, right? It's he's, he's not really going to get you in trouble off the tee until he gets to a playoff at, at Zurich or something like that. Like that's, or maybe coming down the stretch at Tory. Like he's going to give you one bad swing on a Sunday, but otherwise he's going to roll in enough putts and he's going to score. So Greg, when you start to assess this $9,000 range and you start to process it, what, what comes out of it? I well with um a couple things a theory on Kevin Na I, I think his course history here highlights the reason why we don't like to play him and I'm one of those I'm not a huge Kevin Na guy um why we don't like to play him in DFS and if you just read through it uh starting from last year going backwards T43 first cut cut tied second WD cut tied 22nd first tied 45th Tied 15, right? There's volatility. You used the perfect word there, Rick. And we don't feel like we don't feel the same way. Although there are games, maybe you could argue they're similar styles, Webb Simpson and Kevin Na. Maybe Webb is a little bit better than Kevin Na in a lot of areas, especially like iron play and ball striking, but, but similar. They're not very long. Um, they're not the most accurate players. Um, and, and they, yet they make a lot of birdies and they can find a way to, they find a way to win, but they have Webb is much more consistent. His floor is a lot higher. And this week we see that reflected in the price, but Kevin Na has a miscut floor. No question about it. I mean, he could be a complete dud for you and yet he could be your hero as well. And, and it leaves people a little bit uncomfortable. In my opinion, it leaves me a little bit uncomfortable. But I do think there's a there's a, a couple of lineups where he fits. Um, I, I think it, it's worth the risk because he's been playing so well. And seeing what we've seen before the Fortinet, that run of four or five tournaments in a row, it, it's an anomaly. It's not the usual. But if it becomes the usual, uh, this would be a great place to kind of start that run again. And I, I feel his confidence is really high. I feel his... Ryder Cup, missing the Ryder Cup, um, making the next Ryder Cup or President's Cup team, that narrative, uh, the drive for him is very high, I'm sure. So I think it could be a I think it could be a fair spot for Kevin. Knott. And I also like Louie. I mean, Louie, I like it because of what he can do on the greens. But I'm I'm almost lukewarm on Louie because it's well, let's be honest. It's not a major. I, I don't know if it's this week or next week or ever happens, but I'm very, very interested to watch the next year or so from Scotty Scheffler. And I think that we saw this at the president's cup with Sung JM. We saw it at the president's cup with Abraham answer. It was a little bit of a coming out party for those guys, even cam Smith to an extent, a little bit of a coming out party. And I wonder if Scheffler now having that Ryder cup taste, uh, having some big matches, one against John Rahm. He's involved with Bryson. I mean, it, I'm just excited to see what comes out of him in the next 12 months. And I, I think you could see some brilliance out of him uh, and, and his record here isn't great. He's played here twice um, and he doesn't have a notable finish on his record, but I, I do think he could handle a place like this. I think he gained a lot of confidence with a couple of key putts at the Ryder cup. Um, we know the driving is um, his strength. 
the iron play is not terrible. Uh, but but what he did with the putter at Whistling Straits could could be the big confidence boost he needs. You mentioned notable finish. I love that term. What do you normally use that for? Because I would have just said he missed the cut and finished seventy fourth, and that I hate describing it like that. I'm trying to be like, oh, he he hasn't cracked the top sixty. So what, give me a scenario in which you you could continue to use notable finishes or like what, well I'll talk if he had a thirtieth could I have said he had a notable finish. Mm. So I, I use the notable finish in a sense where I'm looking through a lot of names. I'm looking yeah. through records and I don't always remember exactly what that record is, but I take note. Okay. Uh, Kevin Na has some volatility, but some really good ones. And if I, if, if I have time to look it up, then I'll tell you what they are exactly. Mm-hmm. If I don't have time to look it up, well, now I can say, okay, I know Scotty Scheffler missed a cut, and I know the other one was not anything that drew my attention. I said to myself, not very good. So it's not notable. But on the tied 30th finish, is that a notable finish by itself? No. Mm. If it's mixed in with, you know, if it's four straight top 30 finishes, if it's a tied 25th, tied 30th, if it's, you know, in a, five of those in a row, well, then that could be notable. Um, but the only things that are notable to me when they're one-offs and, you know, you miss five cuts and the one event is a top five, top, maybe a top 10, that, that becomes notable. But usually it has to go, it has to go with, uh, it has to be paired with something else. I, I like that. I'm going to start working that into my vocabulary a little bit. I'm always looking for something like that. Uh, see a last word here on the 9K range, because I think at the end you mentioned Sung JM and I did just want to point out he's played here twice. Both of them are notable finishes, top 15s, mm-hmm. and he's been playing well enough coming in. Got off to a hot start at the Sanderson, kind of faded a little bit over the last couple of days. Any concerns out of that, or does this feel like amongst his peers, this might be a decent spot to get back in on Mr. Sung J.M.? Well, it was actually Siwoo Kim. So oh, I'm, I'm not going to, yeah, that's okay. I, I'm not going to be on Sung Jay, but, but speaking of sort of notable recent results and, and good results coming in from this tournament, Siwoo Kim's been pretty good. Um, eighth and 11th over his last two. And he was eighth here in uh, 2021, 15th in 2019. Uh, he made the cut in 2020, but finished 55th. Uh, seems like a pretty good course fit for him. So I, I think at 9,000, it's it's probably an unpopular guy. I'm guessing it will be an unpopular guy. So it might be a good way to maybe gain leverage off, off some of the guys that are right near him in this nine-ish upper 8K range. I never get him right. So I'll just tweet out whether I've played Siwoo Kim or not. And everyone else just do the opposite because that would be, that would be the way to deploy Siwoo Kim at the moment. But is Sungjae, uh, is Sungjae playable, Rick? Cause I, I think actually, so. I was I trying, I was, I was trying to build the case for a Sungjae. I like him too, for the record. I, like I only kind of corrected it because I, I didn't mention him, but now that you mention it, I mean, I, I think Sungjae is also a good play. There are, and this is a little inside knowledge. There are uh Sungjae M golf balls hanging around Summerlin at some point. Maybe he'll find one. Uh, I lost them there a couple of months ago. Plenty of them. Maybe he'll stumble across <laughs> one, bring a little extra. Good luck. So. Yeah. And Sungjae got a lot of notoriety last year about um, his total birdies, the record that he set. Yeah. But even and and even with all the caveats that go with that, he was still 30th in birdie average. So he he makes a lot of birdies, not just because he plays a lot. He actually does make a lot of birdies round to round to round. Um, and, and I think he had a really, a much better putting year last year. Um, I think I saw some 
improvement in that, or I saw some viability in that anyway, because he was 50th in putting last year. So I, I look for Song Jay to have a, a solid week. We got to get down to the 8K range. We have to talk about value in this field. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes! And we're back. The $8,000 range starts with Paul Casey, Corey Connors, Jason Kokrak, and Patrick Reed. Goes all the way down to, let's say, Matthew Wolf, Charlie Hoffman, Eric Van Royen, and... Greg, uh, again, another small $8,000 range. We started to see this trend where it's like small 9K range, small 8K range, open it up in the sevens and the sixes. We've seen that this year on DraftKings. So only a few names. Find me some guys that we can put into our rosters. We've got you on mute, Greg. Or you have you on mute. Sorry. I must have <laughs> accidentally clicked it. Uh, I remember my first podcast. So anyway, um, I like what I saw from Corey Connors last week. Um, and I also, I like what I saw from him at the end of last year, aside from the tour championship, he was eighth at the Northern trust 22nd at the BMW. I think, um, this is a player who is an elite ball striker and has been for a while. Uh, but the birdies are starting to come from some improvement in the, in, on the greens and in putting. And so I think that could go a long way in a week like this. So Corey Connors jumps out to me um, largely because we saw him somewhat in the mix last week. Um, so he is interesting to me. Jason Kokrak is also kind of interesting to me. Uh, he is a Las Vegas guy, um, all in Jason Kokrak, right? Um, and, and he made a huge stride last year in the putting as well. So I, I think there's an avenue for him to play really well. There have been some events with Kokrak where he's been a little bit of a letdown, um, where everybody was really kind of high on him and it was expected to play really well. And this may be one of those events because his record here is uh, unflattering. And this is one of those cases where I'd say in nine events, no notable finishes, right? A tied 20th is his best. Yeah. Um, I actually, I'm actually not a little sure. Worried. Me too. I'm actually not even sure he's a Vegas guy, but apparently he plays a lot out here because of his MGM ties. I don't even know where he lives, but I'm pretty sure he plays out here a ton. He wanted yeah. Shadow Creek and he had played Shadow Creek a ton. And I agree with you. Like on paper, even I, this is, and, and Greg, what do you, I mean, you got a lot of starts. So clearly he has experience at a course, but if it's just not going well, is that more of a detriment to have that experience? Like I just, I find it, I wrestle with that. No, no. And look, part of the, part of, the situation here at this place is you have to go crazy low in order to in order to play well. There's no way around it. So you have to play an aggressive style. At least you feel that way. And sometimes it can take a while to get things to go your way. I mean, last year he shot, he shot 68-68 and it's a miscut. And now he has shot some 75s and some 74s and he's he's played some poor rounds. 
Um, he hasn't had that round of 62 or anything like that. But I, I don't think he's been the quality putter since he's played here as he is now. And and the improvement on the greens for me is what really jumps off the page. He's He was sixth last year on, on the PGA Tour in strokes game putting. I mean, it's yeah, he, everything he except the short game was awesome. He literally... Uh, the week after Shriners last year is when he really started to go nuts. So he won, he won at Shadow Creek. He gained 10 strokes putting. And we said, no, he's not going to be able to do that. Then he gained five at, at Sherwood. And then he turned into one of the best putters on the PGA tour, like the very next week after this event last year. So I I think it could give him a chance, but do you think he's going to be popular? Cause when he's popular, I'm usually out on him. Uh, So I'm hoping he's an under the radar guy. No, I think, I think, and see, you can speak to this probably better than all of us. I mean, I see Cameron Tringale with a couple of back-to-back top 25s who's cheaper. I see Joaquin Neiman lurking, who's always pretty popular. I see Corey Connors in a similar range. I, I can't imagine Kokrak is overly exciting people. Yeah, even Charlie Hoffman could be pretty popular given his price and just how he shows up in models. I agree. I don't think Kokrak's going to be super popular at all. So I think he's a he's a pretty good, another guy in the 8K range that I, yeah. I think is going to be, um, just not popular at all is Patrick Reed. I think Dude, he's super interesting. I'm all uh, speaking of all in Patrick Reed's probably gonna win this event, right? Uh, I, I mean, it would make sense, right? I mean, because it's golf, right? But at the same time, like we don't even, he's not even in our consciousness right now, other than some of the stuff with the Ryder cup and, and just some of the stuff he does off the golf course. I mean, he's just, he's just truly like a guy that people's eyes are just going to fly right over he doesn't have much experience here. If memory serves, the last time he played here was like six or seven years ago, and, and it was, you know, a very average, uh, a very average finish. So I think just from a, a tournament leverage standpoint, I think Patrick Reed makes a lot of sense. You know, he hasn't been that good lately, but he also hasn't been terrible either. You know, his numbers relative to this field are are middling. You also get you also get a month off right to kind of figure stuff out. He is going to use whether he whatever way you see it, he will use the Ryder Cup as a snub and he will burn this place to the ground. Right. You don't have to be overly long. You have to make a lot of putts. You have to kind of get hot. Uh, He's great on all surfaces. He's great on bent grass. And of the guys that we're talking about, this eighty eight thousand dollar range. Nobody has the win equity that Patrick Reed does. I don't know if he if he pulls it off, but like at eighty six hundred bucks, that amount of win equity and the just mentality that he's going to have this week is terrifying. That that's the thing that he always does so well. He plays so well when there's something that he's upset about, or when the crowd is getting on him, or when there's a reason for him to be ticked off. And he is right. I, I mean, I, I don't know how he's feeling exactly. You don't know what his day was like sitting on the couch watching uh, the Ryder Cup. I'm sure he wasn't on the couch. I'm sure he was out playing golf. I, I don't know where his, um, you know, what what he's thinking about that whole thing. But I promise you, if you're in his shoes, whatever you think about him is irrelevant. If you're sitting in that position, you're 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 jealous, and it hurts, and it makes you upset, and and it makes you angry. And this is a guy who's dealt with these kind of things his whole ever since we've known him since at least his college career. Mm-hmm. And so he, and he's dealt with them really well. And so I look for a nice week out of Patrick Reed. I don't like leaning on narratives, um, but I, I think in this case it could be another one of those guys that comes out ready to, to set it on fire. As you said, Rick.
I'm going to try to get out there on Tuesday and I'll ask him like nine questions about the Ryder Cup and see if I can just like get him all riled up. <laughs> see what, see what happens. Yeah, right. Just see, see the color of his eyes change. Yeah. See what happens. Uh, the rest of this 8K range. You see, I'm not sold on Paul Casey. I did not particularly like what I saw at the Ryder Cup. Again, you, you told me not to use that information. I did not like what I saw at all from Paul Casey. You played four matches, did not get a single a single point. Uh, and I'm also worried about, you mentioned him, Charlie Hoffman always shows up in these models, but his history here is pretty objectively horrible. Uh, so I don't know how much we want to lean on either one of those things, but I, I, just, I just don't really like this range either. I've got a lot of concerns. Yeah, I totally get it. I, I I agree with you on Charlie Hoffman. I actually probably won't be playing him. I just think it, here's in that the Hoffman price. history. Yeah, um, you know, definitely check us out on YouTube. That there's a lot of red there. Holy cow! Yeah, uh, missed the cut in four of his last six. Seventy uh, fourth and eighteenth in the other two. He has a he has a couple of top six finishes, but one was eight years ago, and the other was twelve years ago. He's been coming to this event for a while, but it hasn't been much. Good stuff recently. Yeah, and by the way, I'm going to agree with Greg. I, I do like Corey Connors. Uh, I I think he, I think you could probably put him where Harris English is at 9,300. I don't think anybody would have blinked at that. So I definitely think you're getting a discount with him. Um, you know, Neiman he is is one of those guys I never play correctly. Just like you were saying about um, whoever I just brought up, like Tanner. Yeah, about Siwoo. So I don't know what to do with Neiman. If I play him, he's going to do horribly and vice versa. A couple of guys, the only other guy I think is interesting here and that I think might get lost in the ownership shuffle because there's guys right below him that are going to be pretty popular and right above him that are probably going to be popular. And that's EVR. I just, you know, and I don't think he has any experience here, but we know how hot and how torrid his pace was trying to get into the FedEx Cup playoffs. And if you go by just sort of the, you know, if we're going down narrative street again, I guess you could say, oh, well, he doesn't have that pressure now. And so he's probably not going to live up to his potential like he did, you know, a month or two ago. But I just think he's a, he's a pretty good deal here at 8,000. And I think he has tremendous upside. We saw him get an outright win just a couple of months ago. And again, if he gets lost in the ownership shuffle, I think it's a really smart GPP play. Uh, you know what, Sia? I agree. Um, and I wonder with the, with these narratives sometimes, if it's a player blossoming, right? Is this... Is this, does the pressure teach you that you can do it on, on the PGA tour that you can compete because he was a really good player and you'd see him come and pop up in WGCs and he wasn't a, a regular PGA tour player and he would do great. And then he came over here and there, it was like just a, a air out of the balloon. And mm -hmm. I wonder if the end of last season has inspired him and taught him that he can do it. And I don't think it's a momentum play, but has he just found the recipe? And across the board last year, he was a, um, a a gainer in strokes gain in every category. I mean, not elite, but he's between 58th and 98th in everything. Um, and and I think that could go, you know, it could go a long way having a, a well-rounded base. Maybe you'll start to see some areas start to improve a little bit more for him this year. Let's jump on down to the $7,000 range. This is where things really open up. I'm not going to read through all of these names, uh, but I'll read through a couple of notable $7,800 Mito Pereira, Danny Willett, fresh off his victory at the Alfred Dunhill. He's at 7,700 Ryan Palmer, see ya 7,500. And then we go down to uh, a very popular name at 7,300 one Ricky Fowler. Yeah, I, I mean, oh, sorry, we, I didn't know are, I was waiting we are for that. Struggling. We, we are struggling. <laughs> That's the second drop I tried to I tried to light hit us with. The other one was uh, 
What was the other one? Oh, Kevin. Uh, Kevin Nash. Kevin Nash. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sia, when you look at this $7,000 range and there's a lot of names to go through, who are some notables? So many names I like, which which I'm sure isn't a shock to people, but uh, Russell Henley's one of them. Um, again, I'm looking for guys that, that are pretty accurate and that on approach are potentially going to stick, you know, stick it next to the pin. And I think Russell Henley is one of those guys. Now his track record here isn't amazing by any stretch. Recent history isn't amazing either, but I just like the ball striking. And, and I, I think he's a guy uh, I'm definitely going to be playing at 7,900. Strillman's a guy who has, I mean, he has no good history here whatsoever. And his, his recent form is also bad. And to Fire him me, up. <laughs> well, that's the thing, but that's the thing, right? Because he seems like a pretty good course fit. You certainly don't need to be long here with how firm this course is going to be in the, in the, the altitude and whatnot. I don't understand why these finishes are what they are. And it would be so golf. It would be so DFS. If, you know, after day three, he's like in seventh place and we're all like, Oh, of course, Kevin Streelman is in seventh place. I just think he's a good fit here. And so I, I'm not always going to ignore the course history in recent form, but in this particular case, I think I want to play him to your larger point about him. Should he should be a good fit? He did have a five year stretch where he went 14th, 16th, 22nd runner up 16th. That is what you would expect from good kind of course history. Kevin Streelman. It's recently, it's the last five that he went 61st, 67th, 51st and two missed cuts. So it's not, uh, you know, over 10 years, it's much better than it is over five, which is at least worth noting. So at least he has some good experience here. Yes. So he can he can draw back on something. Um, Mito Pereira, of course, he's he's going to be a guy that a lot of people are going to like. It's a good price on him. Matt McNeely and Birdie Fests, I'm always all about him. And, and last time I played him, I'm trying to remember what tournament it was. Um, it was the Fortinet. Um, where I was big on him because I thought that was going to be another birdie fest. He finished uh, second place. Brian Harmon's another guy. He's sort of been lost in the shuffle, a, yeah. a guy that people aren't really thinking of, but we know he can get hot. He's certainly going to be a fine course fit here. He's going to find fairways. And uh, listen, it, I, I just I just think Brian Harmon at 7,600, I mean, he has good history here, it is a guy that you're, you're definitely getting value from. And I'll just go over a couple more I like. Real, real quick before you do that, because yeah. I think mm -hmm. I think this Brian Harmon is an interesting case study, and I want to bring Greg in on this because there's also other guys. Stuart Sink, I would lump into this category as well. There were guys that just faded down the stretch last year, and they had overall really good seasons, and their last four or five starts, whether it was the end of a super season, whether it was whatever, the results weren't that good. Now, how do we kind of reconcile their first start out this year with what we saw at the end of last year? Do we assume that having a month off, five weeks off, six weeks off is going to allow them to get back into the longer term form or should we be concerned about these guys? Um, well, I think I think Stuart Sink had a little bit of a struggle. And there's the unfortunate question. Was this his last hurrah? for Stuart Sink, who I'm a huge fan of, and I love the things he's doing. I just, that, that's a question you have to ask. And I hope, um, I hope that's not the case. As for Brian Harmon is concerned, he was on a torrid pace in May and June, right? He had three straight really good weeks um, and a couple more. And before that, even it was really, that's where he was really shining around the players in March. So it was a, it was a good stretch for a couple months there for him towards the end when it starts to get, quote unquote bad you're looking at a t19 at the open which is not a bad that's not a bad finish no that's a that's a great right. result for a place that did not fit him 
Right. And then you go to the you go to Memphis and he has a tied 36. He shoots 70, a pair of 69s and another 70 on Sunday. Misses the cut at the Wyndham, 69-70. The Northern Trust looks bad. 72-66, 76-73. So you don't like to see that high score, but as I've looked through the scores from Liberty National, there were a lot of good players who shot some pretty high scores, um, pretty at least for a round at that golf course. So if you give him a pass on that, I'll leave it up to you. He hasn't really shot any rounds outside of the Northern Trust above 71 since the U.S. Open. So I don't think there's a problem with Brian Harmon. It's just, is Brian Harmon going to catch enough fire to go low at a venue like this? When you go to a place where you could shoot 68 68 and miss the cut i i don't yeah. love brian Harmon in in an event like that literally greg's not joking there were guys that shot 68 68 last year and missed the cut that that's actually kind of crazy um, it's crazy yeah so so sorry see i didn't want to jump in as you continue to to throw your 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 names out there but i did i did think that conversation was worth having Oh, for sure. Um, I, just a few other names. Uh, you know, I was impressed with what I saw from Sahith the Gala last week. I, I talked about him briefly on the show last week, and you know, he he kind of put it together for four rounds. And again, I, I think he might have had an injury issue towards you know the the middle to to end of twenty twenty one, or maybe even the beginning too. That uh, he he has gotten over. So I think we still might be a little early. I don't think anybody's really going to play him because that price is pretty high. I'm actually surprised at his price myself. I think. I think he probably I would have expected him in spite of the, the great finish last week to be more in like the 7100 7200 range. Uh, but here he is. Uh, Seamus Powers, another guy I like. And I'll finish it off with um, Shez Reeby and uh, Henrik Norlander. Norlander has been playing great. And I, I think Reeby's a, a pretty good course fit here. Let's do the Norlander thing real quick because I, I need to do Norlander and I need to do one other guy. So Norlander last week gained over eight strokes on approach, which is honestly not that uncharacteristic. I want to say he gained 7.6 at the Barbasol. What I love about those two results, one, he's capable of doing it, but he also gained strokes putting in both weeks when he when he was lighting it up on approach. Those are good ceiling metrics. That builds out a profile of a golfer who can actually tap into a ceiling. Um, he's horrible on bent grass, so it's, I'm not without concerns, but I wouldn't mind going there. And I'll do the Ricky Fowler thing. Listen, I talk all the time. Are we going to be early or are we going to be late? Uh, I think it's very easy. You give Ricky a chance. To, you give yourself a chance to be early on Ricky this week. And if he's garbage, uh, then you go back to being late on him. But he's now had two months to try to figure something out. And we saw a couple of glimpses of hope down at the end of last season. And also, here's a fun little fact. If you remove... Every, you, it doesn't even have to be for players in this field. If you just look at TPC Summerlin and you look at the best putters over the years at TPC Summerlin, who's number one with at least five rounds played? It's Ricky Fowler. 14 rounds. He's gained 1.6 strokes. You go to a place. You start rolling the rock. The rest of the game starts to come a little bit easier. Starts to feel himself again. I don't know. I'll try to be early on, Ricky. We'll see. Look, I, I, I totally understand that, Rick. Um, And for a guy with... Last year, he missed the cut, okay? He missed a lot of cuts in 2021. Um, but but his four previous starts were all top 25s, including a T4 in 2019, a T7 in 2009. This is a guy with top 15 world rank, uh, top a uh, top 15 player in the world, talent-wise, 
potential wise, who's at 7,300. I am not comfortable. I was so let down with what happened last year uh, and so disappointed with, with the way last year went that I'm not in love with it. But I, I think uh, the smart money here is to take a chance to be early. It's the beginning of a year. You hope that he missed the playoffs and he's inspired and he's angry. He's not even close to a Ryder Cup conversation. And and I'm sure he misses hanging out with the boys. And, and while they're all you know, having fun at the Ryder Cup, he's on his boat or who knows what, watching, I, who knows what he's doing. But I, I'm sure that he's not happy. And I think there's a there's a real chance that he could be um, a, a contender this week if he figured something out. Is he one of the most interesting stories this year? I mean, just just kind of in general, right? I mean, we kind of, is is this similar to Spieth from this time last year where we didn't know what we were going to get or were we more hopeful for Spieth? I can't remember. Yeah, I remember well, he, I mean, the, I, I was fully had the popularity. started to play well, but I don't, I don't remember how we actually felt about him. Yeah, we we're all watching, right? A, a Jordan Spieth and a Ricky Fowler, you're you're watching closely because you expect some success out of them. And for Ricky, we at least want to talk about how he can't win, how he can't close. We don't want to talk about how he can't play at all, right? How, he, how he's missing. We don't want to talk about that. That's no fun. It's no fun piling on a guy like that. It's fun piling on a guy that finishes second and telling telling them yeah. that he you know he's a choker and, he, yeah. and he's. Rack it off top tens. Yeah, so, that's what look, I want to do. Right. And that's what we want for, for Ricky. Or or we want him to actually win and close the deal. The game's got a long way to go. But uh, I think I think there is an avenue to be a smart DFSer here and, and be early on him for this week. Uh, is it bad that I looked up to see when his card expires? We're at that point with Ricky. Uh, he's yeah. He's got it through next year. So yeah. He's good. He's good for a while. Anybody else in the seven K range before we move on to the real value in this field? Our defending champion Martin Laird is here. Um, Cameron Young played well last week. I'm, I'm, I'm auctioning guys off. Is are, are there? Any I'll throw there? a couple names at you. Okay, I, I haven't thrown names at you in this range yet. So yeah. one, I like Mito. I do like Mito um, for obvious reasons. I, he's been a horse. I think he can. His floor is so high. So you you ride Mito to the finish line into the sunset. Um, I like Taylor Gooch. I, I think Taylor Gooch is another safe player who's played well here in the past. Uh, he, he's a well-rounded player with a really nice finish um, at, at the Fortinet. So I, I think he, you could see him, although there is a little more miscut risk with him. I, I could see him playing well and missing the cut, but um, I, I am kind of expecting some good things out of him. So I, I would throw that name into the ring. Um, I would throw Cam Davis's name into the ring. Uh, one of those guys that's long um, and and can putt and can win. And so I would definitely throw his name into the ring. And I think there was, aside from Ricky, I think I had one other name that jumped out at me. Um, mm. Reavy piques my interest, but I'm what I just, I, I, I don't know about, I don't know about Shea Reve. I've been on it for a while. I've been expecting it to turn, and it hasn't. His record here isn't great, so I'm going to leave him off my list. Man, he just he just needs to like not stink around and on the greens. Yeah, he's got to play really well to to contend. But he's like, but he's a he is a dart thrower. He yeah, is so good I know. on approach. But like, just make a putt. 
don't, uh, I don't, I mean, it's easy for me to say from this side of the keyboard, right. but I don't know. It's tough. Yeah. Let's go, let's go down to the 6,000s. This is the true value. If you want to get access to maybe Brooks Kepke at the top, you might have to dabble in this range at the top. Charles Howe, the third, Doug Gim, Francesco Molinari. How about this? Garrick Higo, he's a winner on the PGA Tour. Lonto Griffin, Roger Sloan, they're all 6,900 and all the way down at this very bottom of the large, large range. Ooh. These are actually better names than I was anticipating. Tyler McCumber, um, Harry Hall, Brian Gay, Adam Long. Those are the notables from the min $6,000 price range. See ya. What do you got? Speaking of Harry Hall, somebody sent me a tweet today, and it was how Harry Hall shot like 12 under just five days ago at TPC Summerlin. So, and I, he has Vegas ties as well. So I think Harry Hall actually posted it himself. And then somebody sent me the tweet. So just throwing that out there at, at six K there's a lot to like in this six K range guys. I mean, the, this is these these birdie fests. We know they cater to some of these six and seven k guys, sort of emerging, sort of towards the top as the as the tournament goes forward. And it wouldn't shock me at all if some of these six k guys are there, or at least somewhere close on Sunday. Garrett Higgo is one of them. Another guy with Vegas ties, uh, Rick, which I'm sure you know. Uh, we know he has you know some win equity. He's he's probably you know he sort of faded down the stretch last year, but I think Higgo is a great play. Um, Adam Shank has. Pretty good history here. Actually, very good history here, considering his price. Another guy, Chesson Hadley, who will not grade out well at all, also has really good history here. Um, you know, interestingly, you know, I can't quit Jim Herman. He's down here. I like him as well. Kyle Stanley, a guy who absolutely can't putt, but I think he's 6,100. Uh, somebody might have to correct me there. But just with a guy that strikes it that well with the, you know, with the ball striking, I, I just, I, I think I might want to take a chance on him. And then the last guy I'll mention, you're is a uh, hammer and hammer and Hank Lebiota at 6,300. I mean, yes, like what, I did. What a fall from grace. Like, I let's know. go ahead and take a shot now. I know it is weird. Fall from grace for, for Hank Lebiota. I found that Harry Hall uh, tweet. So uh, two, no, this was more than two days ago. This was on the 28th of September. So that mm -hmm. was last Tuesday. Mm -hmm. He shot. Wow. Tied his lowest round. It was a 60. It was out in 29, in in 31, uh, with lots of circles, as you can imagine. Not a single bogey, as you can imagine. A 60 on, he probably played it, uh, it plays as a par 72 for every week that's not this week. So that's 12 under at TPC Summerlin. That's exciting. Um, so I, I like to call that lock button Harry Hall. That's what I like to call it. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm just, I'm just joking. I'm not giving that advice out. I mean, he's he's the min price. You give you a lot of flexibility. That's kind of interesting. Uh, Greg, when you see this $6,000 range, how do you interpret it? I love right up near the top here, Roger Sloan. Yeah. You know, the end of his year last year was fascinating, and he got to that point where he, he had made it um, and, and the run ended, and you could see it. It was so clear. It was so evident that – once he got to the Northern Trust, I mean, 31st at the Barbasol, 16th at the 3M, 6th at the Barracuda, 2nd at the Wyndham, and then a miscut at the Northern Trust. And you just know there's fatigue. He made it to the he made it to the finish line. Mm. But what I like about what he's done this year, he had a really nice week last week with a tied 14th. And he's a player that I think is turning into uh, – um, some uh, you know a mainstay out on on the PGA tour. So I look for him to continue the the good start to the year and play really well out here. 
Um, and then, you know, see, I mentioned a couple of really nice names that I like. Um, I clicked, of course, I clicked Adam Hadwin. Um, I, I still feel like he's going to pop at some point, but at this point, I, you know, I thought he played well last week. I look, it's like tied 41st. It's just not notable. He plays well in the desert, but does he really? I So I, I struggle with that. Uh, what are we going to get out of a Denny McCarthy who played well last week, um, had himself in the mix, is a great putter, as we know. Denny McCarthy is a guy that has my interest. Um, and, and going down the list, you start to take a couple of flyers here. I, I'm not into the the Snedeker Kucher gang. I, I, um, no. I just don't, I don't see it with them. I think you're looking down here for some younger players, some, um, some rising stars. Hank Biota, I, I go all day with Sia. I, I think, I think he's got another week of me really backing him. I'll give him another week. I wasn't impressed at the Fortinet. Um, but this could be a really nice venue for him because he's such a strong iron player. So I, I think those are my, Biggest leans, maybe down at 6,200, a Wyndham Clark could pop, but it's a total flyer. And for the, you know, to save 200 bucks, you may as well go with Tyler McCumber at the mid. He's my favorite mid, no question. Um, and you feel like he can get himself in the top five if he plays well. Um, but he also, you wonder if he could miss a cut too. But he's, he is no doubt, I think, has the, the most upside in the min price. And and I think he has more upside than most of the guys in the in the sixty one and sixty two range, um, but yeah, Wyndham Clark would be that other popper that I might like because he puts it so well. Here's where I'm at in the six thousand dollar range. Uh, Harry Hall's at Summerlin all the time. Sung you'll know at Summerlin all the time. Um, Mark Hubbard's kind of interesting. He's made six cuts on a row on the PGA Tour. He's missed a couple of cuts. Uh, on the corn ferry, but he finished 16th at the Fortinet. I don't mind Hubbard. He can kind of get that hot putter. Uh, Leviota, I'm probably like a six out of 10 on excitement. If five is kind of average, I think, I think I could give him one more crack. And then also, uh, I think most people are aware Piercy plays out of Summerlin as well. He's had some good results uh, here. Two top 20s in his last three trips. He's got a couple of top 20s here recently. 11th at the Fortinet, 15th at the Wyndham. So that's probably where I'm going to allocate a lot of my resources. I'm not super thrilled about the $6,000 range. I, yeah. I agree with you. I, I think Sloan's a really good play. Um, oh, uh, at Sloan, six, and he's 69, that. right? Yeah. yeah 6,900. Um, but yeah, beyond that, there's some real... There's some real dart throws and they're going to happen. It's just, can you pick the right one? That's the, that's the challenge when you get down here to these big seven, you know, lower half of the seven, six K ranges They're they're so big. And you know that there's going to be a large portion of them near the top. Can you pick the right ones? And you speaking pick the right dart, ones. Speaking yes. of dart throws, Scott Piercy, uh, first round leader. I don't know what that number is. It's probably super high, which I love. So I'm going to play that. just want to throw that out there. Yeah, it's probably not out yet. Let me check. I'll check. While I'm doing that, uh, if you saw Nick Watney's name near the top of the leaderboard last week, I would not get too excited. He gained 11 and a half strokes putting. Uh, his best week ever, one of the best weeks of anyone in the last couple of years, I'm going to say that does not happen again. So don't get too super excited. But anything else... Yeah, I don't see first-round leader bets yet, uh, but that would be nice. We'll keep an eye out on Scott Piercy to be first-round leader. Gentlemen, anything else before we get out of here on the first leg of the Vegas swing? 
I'm feeling good. I'm excited. That's all I got to say. Somebody's got to say uh, Vegas, baby. And I just did. So we're good. There we go. Mission accomplished. I'll be out there. Hopefully, I think I'm going to try to get out there tomorrow. See how the course is playing. That's Tuesday for those listening. Uh, see how it's playing. And maybe I can get some inside info. Maybe I can get into Patrick Reed's brain a little bit and see how he's, see how he's feeling post-Ryder Cup. Stir it up a little bit. All right, I'll do my best. <laughs> That'll do it. Let me thank producer Jacob. Does all the hard work behind the scenes. That right there, Sia Najad. You can find him on Twitter at Sia Najad. That's Greg Ducharme. You can find him on Twitter at The Real GFD. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been The First Cut. And we'll catch you next time.